Eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Johnson here from the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. I just wanted you guys to know that the UK base Full10Yards.com has their 2021 NFL Draft Guide coming out April 1st. So go go check it out. Go go buy it. Over 200 players, including myself, are being scouted on there. Um, get your pre-orders in now. Check it out. Hello and welcome to the Full Ten Yards College Football Podcast. Uh, we're back again after another week. So drawing really really close to the draft now, just over a month to go. I'm going to give you some of our sleepers, so we're going to be kind of uh, giving you some guys to look out for on day three of the draft. And uh, I'm joined by a, a ragtag bunch of scouts here. I've got Kieran, I've got Raj, and I've got Liam. Boys, welcome you in. How's everyone going? Yeah, all doing good. good. All good, all good. It's getting got... exciting, isn't it? We're a month away. It is, yeah. Yeah, so we've got, uh, we've got today, we've got sleepers today. We're going to talk about some sleepers. Next week, penciled in for a uh, full 10 yards family mock draft. So we're going to get a few of the other lads over on the scouting podcast. And then, you know, we'll be right into April then. It'll be just a couple of weeks to go until the big night. And then, uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be there before we know it, I think. But yeah, we're going to mix it up today. We're not going to do offense and defense. We're going to have a whole mixture. And like I say, some day three picks that might make your NFL team better. Um, we've got a couple of guys who are talking about a couple of people. Kieran, I'll start off with you because you, you're going to talk about a couple of guys that, yeah. you, that you choose. We'll start on offense and we're going to start with North Texas University wide receiver Jalen Darden. Now, my favorite thing about him is that if I stood next to him in height and weight, we are virtually identical. Five foot nine, 170 pounds. I guess you could say I'm built like an NFL level wide receiver now. But yeah, he, he's a fantastic player. And besides the brilliance that you see at North Texas University by them having UNT plastered on the field, which is just hilarious as a British person. Um, yeah, he, he coming out of a, a smaller school, he is an absolute beast. His vertical receiving skills, uh, second to none. And I've talked about this when I've talked about guys like Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith. And a very important thing that a lot of people forget about wide receivers is how good his uh, post-catch balance is. If he goes up and high points a ball, he always lands on his feet. He manages to stay up. And that's where he really shines is, is like, exploiting any open space he has left after catching a ball his route running is pretty good it's not like top tier or anything but we're we're talking about sleepers at this point so they're never going to be the top of the top but they're definitely guys who are probably going to get drafted lower than they deserve he's got great hands as well and the way he transitions as he hits the second level of the football field as he breaks into the top of his roots is also great he he's just an all-around explosive athlete and at his lofty stature of five foot nine 170 he's an absolute mountain of a man as me my five foot nine self can attest to i am very intimidating but that might be the mustache uh but yeah i i think if you put him in a slot receiver he's going to do great at the nfl level because he's he's a smaller guy and he can exploit that space we see it with like a julian edelman or something we're not going to have the debate on how great he is right now because he is a hall of famer but he's that ideal small slot receiver guy who's really shifty and and when any time he gets open space he can like really make that work and 
he might not be a guy who's going to go for a hundred yards a game or and five touchdowns or whatever, but he will definitely get you yards and he will definitely move the chains on those like third and short situations where you need to pass it. Say like a third and six, third and fifth, uh, third and five, sorry. Those situations are perfect for him to just pick up a few yards in the middle of the field. And maybe he can exploit that for bigger plays, but I feel like right now, just out of the slot, he's going to be perfect for any, any team to take a punt on late. Yeah, big day for him tomorrow. We're recording on uh, Wednesday evening, actually, and it's a North Texas Pro Day tomorrow. So looking out for those numbers by the time this podcast comes out and, uh, yeah, looking for him to go quick in the 40. Yeah, so um, I've seen a lot of tape of Jaden Darling and um, his punt returning skills and his um, explosiveness in that side of the game on special teams, that in that as value alone, I can really see him sort of bumping his stock up. It, it, have you seen those those similar traits as well? And, and how effective can he be in the NFL with his special teams field? Yeah, he, he's a great returner. My only issue with him doing it in the NFL is I feel like he comes up against a gunner who's like six foot one. Uh, it might be it might be a short day for him on the field. And the reason I didn't mention him, I, I, the reason I mentioned him in the slot in the NFL is because I think just I, I don't think he, he would adapt to being a punt returner in the NFL very well. And that is mainly a size thing. Now, I know five foot nine isn't necessarily short, but when we're talking football, five nine one seven isn't exactly ideal. I mean, look, we're looking down on Devonta Smith for being one seventy and he's got half a foot on this guy. So. Uh, I think maybe if he packs on some weight, he'd do better as a punt returner if he can keep his speed and his burst and his explosiveness, which I think he could. But I, I, the only reason that, yeah, that's the reason I didn't mention the punt return because I think his size would probably lead to him being hurt pretty early on in the NFL if he starts returning a bunch of punts and kicks. Mm. Yeah, maybe food for thought, but yeah, definitely got the speed as mentioned. Um, kind of caught on to Jalen Darden probably quite early on without even realising it because big draft crush of mine a couple of years ago was Mason Fine who was the tiny quarterback out of North Texas, who I thought was actually really good, but obviously just not got NFL size. But um, yeah, obviously production uh, is pretty massive, you know, coming out of the small school as well. And um, I'm just hoping that he's got better hands than uh, North Texas' Jalen Guyton, because I've seen him obviously for, for the Chargers. He's a decent receiver, but needs to work on those hands, needs to make him a little bit softer. But yeah, Jalen Downs definitely got a, a chance. He's got a lot of buzz recently, hasn't he? So he's got a chance to do something, I think, at the, the NFL level next like time. He- He's always shown like how good he is with his hands. It's, it's not like he's dropping balls left, right and centre. He's got the odd one here and there, but most of them are bad balls. And it, it, he's like, I'm good. look, now don't get me mad at me for this comparison. I'm, I'm just talking about how this receiver plays the game. Um, he, he, he very much, you can tell he studies like how Julio Jones plays the game in the way he like control, uses his body to augment his hand skills like we see guys like deandre hopkins who literally just have ridiculous hands and can catch no matter what but then we see guys like julio jones who are amazing ball catchers but a lot of that comes from their body control say like an antonio brown or a julio jones guy and you can very much tell that he models his game after them and the way he uses his body control to augment what his hands can already do yes um in terms of um of dardenas He's perfect sleeper in terms of draft value because we've spoken about in previous episodes about the depth in this receiver class and especially at the, in in the slot position. There are a lot of good slot receivers, and uh, Darden's going to be a guy that teams will have kind of penciled in as a kind of later round um, pick up. They know that uh, there's going to be a few slot receivers taken before him, but if you've got other needs, if you've got an offense where the receivers are pretty set on the outside and kind of just need a 
another guy like to come in in the slot. That's where um, Darden's value comes in and why he's such a good sleeper. Yeah, I completely agree. He's he's going to be in that glut, isn't he? That glut of slot receivers, as Andy's mentioned it in the past, about there being so many like little guys who are going to make an impact on the NFL. And yeah, he's got as much chance as, as a lot of these guys. And you're probably going to get him for in the day three. So you're going to get him for great value as well, as you mentioned. So yeah, completely on board with this one, Kieran. A great, great pick uh, for, for Darden out of North Texas. Um, Liam, we'll come to you next because you, you're bringing a whole host of people to this podcast. I wasn't allowed to talk about every position. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's go defence now. Let, we'll go to um, a position I did for the scouting guide um, to the linebackers and going through like uh, the class, there's some really good guys that I think are kind of middle rounders, sleepers. Um, first guy that uh, I want to bring up is um, uh, Charles Snowden from uh, Virginia. Um, he's really interesting prospects. Um, I'm not going to do what uh, Kieran did with Darden and compare myself height-wise uh, to Charles Snowden because he's six foot seven, probably measuring closer to in the six-six range. But the the uh, the point is, he has got extraordinary length for the linebacker position, and it shows on on film. It, it's uh, he's he's a fun, exciting uh, watch, and had a really really good uh, 2020 season up to the point of getting a, an injury, and uh, was yeah really became kind of the leader on on the Virginia defense. Um, and uh, I kind of, I, I liked him a lot for the the scouting guide. I think that he's going to be, um, of course, we're doing it in a bit of um, a vacuum, as we've, as we've said before, in terms of the, the whole league, there'll be some teams that will be a bit nervous um, about taking his skill set. He's, he's very tall, lanky frame, really good length, um, explosive. Um, he's, probably not as positionally versatile as, as some of the other guys um, at the position, but, um, but yeah, no, really, really good, really good watch. Um, I think if a, a team wants to try him kind of close to the line of scrimmage, for example, I think that he needs a bit more weight, some more strength, because he's not going to be a guy that fights through the, the trenches. He's kind of like he, he blitzes and times his blitzes really well, um, accelerates, accelerates to the ball through gaps really, really good really quickly he shows an understanding of um what an offense is showing pre-snap as well um but um yeah i gave him kind of mid-round grade fairly high in the end in terms of those kind of mid-range guys um for the full 10 yards scouting guide and um yeah watching uh, how well he played last season as long as the injury holds up and he gets fit and healthy which i think he should do and yeah i think that uh he's worth a look in those middle rounds yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at his stats now. I know stats don't tell the full story, not by a long shot, but, you know, hefty on the tackles for loss, obviously can get into the backfield, gets a reasonable amount of sacks as well for a, a linebacker that's not a full-time pass rusher by any means. My question that I wanted to kind of ask about this, obviously I've not watched him nearly as much as you would have done. For a guy who's six foot seven, what's his change of direction like? Because that's a big old body to like, move around. It's good. It's not bad. And uh, he, he's he got um, a really good motor. He's got he, He's good on good over the over the ground he can change the direction in coverage isn't great he's that's um the kind of thing i think a team needs to know how they're going to play him i don't think he can like i say he's tall and good length but just a very thin frame isn't going to work out of the line of scrimmage and he's also a bit more limited in coverage as some of the other guys um but yeah real gap here and um 
blitzes really really well um, mm. through gaps rather than through contact um, remains to be seen who takes him obviously and how they're going to want to use him as I say some teams will probably rule him out completely but um, I think yeah that there's something there's definitely a lot to work with uh, in terms of like playing on the front foot as you say towards the, the backfield and the tackles for loss yeah he's really really good What's his, what's his kind of what's his position going to be at the NFL level? Is it going to be like a run and chase world linebacker, or is it going to be on the strong side? Or yeah, I haven't met it as the well. I think on the the strong side, you're going to be asked to to blitz, mm. um, and you know you're going to have to fight through a lot more. I think he he just relies on on hitting gaps. Um, like you say, maybe due to change of direction, I wouldn't play him inside too much. Although, you know, maybe. If he can get the knack of uh, of the coverage game, then uh, that'll be uh, more ceiling for him to be had. Yeah, it's a it's a tall tall guy to be playing in the middle, isn't it? And I mean, he'll be able to get his, pa- his hands in the passing lane because obviously I'm sure I'm mean, not got arm length or anything like that yet. But you can't have short arms at six foot seven or six foot six even, can you? So um, yeah, he's definitely going to be available to affect the game. But you know, if these nifty little route runners in the middle on the slot and on you know out the backfield are going to be able to get the better of him. And it's going to be game over, isn't it? That's Kieran. the problem. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Bob. Yeah, that's the problem. He's got that acceleration and that kind of, you know, he'll he'll just zone right in onto a ball carrier. But uh, if you ask him to, to cover a, a guy, um, yeah, running routes kind of over the middle, uh, yeah, it's uh, that's the bit that needs developing. That's the mm. bit that NFL teams will kind of want to know about a bit more because it doesn't show up on film. Gone, Kieran, because of it, because obviously he's so long. Um, is he good at like uh, shedding blockers and stuff when he's in like run support and stuff? You said he's like a gap hitter, but obviously if someone can seal that gap and may- maybe block him, is he good at shedding those blocks or does he does he kind of struggle a little bit? He he struggles a bit, and he need he wear like he's he's. When you weigh him, uh, he's not going to be completely underweight, but because of that that tall frame, he's just tall and thin and lanky and very wiry. So you fighting through contacts is again not something he's going to do. He's just going to read the game nicely and anything come any kind of balls out into the flat screens like he just zones in on them really quickly. And his acceleration and, and speed and length really really good get, gets him a lot of will get him a lot of um, good grades. But um, yeah, as I say, it means that that's the kind of role that he's limited to. It's coverage skills that need to be improved on, needs to put a bit more muscle on if he's going to be kind of really taking taking steps on his front foot through contact. All right. Yeah, great great uh, player to get in the mid-rounds. You know, like I say, um, you're going to have a moldable ball of clay is a phrase I like to use quite a lot, and I feel like he sounds like exactly that. So, yeah, uh, one to watch out for, for sure. Raj, I'll come to you next. We're going to stick on defence for a little bit and you're going to go to UCLA for Osa Adigazua. That's right. You got the pronunciation there spot on. So uh, I don't know if I did, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try Osa Adigazua. There you go. I think I um, rushed it a little bit. You did it much better than I did. Um, but yeah, senior out of UCLA. Um, defensive tackle, uh, six foot one, uh, 285. So he's uh, undersized in terms of height. Um, but what he does lack in height, he does make up for in his, his arm length, 34 inches, and especially his wingspan, which is 83 inches. Um, one thing that's really important uh, to know about him is that he's a three-time high school wrestling champ, which actually you can see those facets of his game, that, those facets of a wrestling background 
um, do help him um, in, in playing defensive tackle. Um, he's on Bruce Fieldman's freak list as well, um, whereby he can squat 700 pounds um, and also bench 420 pounds. Um, and that is really important to his game as well, because again, what he lacks in height, he uses his leg power and his bench press uh, chest power to, to shed the blocks using especially um, his arms, um, either through chops or slices. Um, in terms of where I see him playing, he's, he's a, a defensive tackle in a 4-3, placed in, in three-tech. Um, he could play defensive end in a 3-4 as well. Um, but um, the, the, the one thing that you really notice when, he, when, uh, when you watch the film is his first step off the line is so explosive. Um, he's, he's very nimble with his feet off, off, off the line. And with that explosiveness off the line, his, his height actually works to his advantage because if, he, if he's um, against the guard or, or the centre, because of his low centre of gravity, he's able to sort of go get underneath the offensive lineman and then use his arms because he's got such long arms to then use either go, go for a bull rush or, or use the chops and slices to make sure he, he, he either pushes the defensive lineman back or, 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 or generates some pass rush. Um, there's a lot of people saying, oh, his height, his height, um, that's going to really bother him. But I, I think when you're, that, when you're that short, if you can use it to your advantage, I think um, it makes such a big difference. Um, also as well, he's got a very high motor. So where there are occasions with some good offensive linemen whereby they're able to stand him up. So say you've got a six foot six guard versus someone that's six foot two, he can struggle um, to, to break um, sort of the, the shackles of, of the lineman, but he doesn't give up on plays. And that's something you want to see because that's something that he will need to develop in the NFL. Um, and if he if he's persistent and, and understands that he needs to generate more power at a standing position, then um, he, he's not he's not willing to he's willing to learn and to get better at that. Um, and one of the, he came into my radar because um, on the senior bowl, he, he really stood out in, 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 the, in the senior bowl practices. He made a mockery out of um, uh, Deontay Brown, the Alabama guard, uh, who 340 pounds um, and was projected to be one of the top guards coming out of, uh, out of the draft this year. And he absolutely schooled him. There was one play where the explosiveness off the line uh, in, in the game led to him uh, getting a strip sack off Kellen Mond. Um, and the, he, he just he just completely toasted him. It was just that that first initial burst, and then the use of the hands. Deontay Brown didn't know what hit him, and it was just it was so easy for him to get to the quarterback. Um, in terms of where I see him improving, so obviously when when the height when he doesn't get the leverage on the height, then obviously he needs to then use use to develop his power to make sure he can shed the blocks. But also as well when when I see him generate that initial rush um if he's unable to break the shackles of the lineman he hasn't got that much bend so he, he does seem to sort of overshoot uh when he is bull rushing i would like to see him develop maybe a little bit more in his uh a little bit more repertoire in his in his past in his past rushing arsenal um also as well as a run blocker because of his wingspan he he is able to 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 cover the gaps but i would like to see him actually get to the running back he's able to to push push the lineman back but then I want to see him shed the block in order to, to get to the running back and I think that's something that he could develop as well um, 
where I see him, so I, for me, the perfect fit for him would be at the Rams with Brock has gone, um, whereby obviously Aaron Donald gets double teamed, triple teamed, and I can see him on one-on-one basis really sort of making hay at the Rams. Um, there, there was one particular game against USC where they had to double team him uh, at some occasions because uh, one-on-one he was he was causing havoc in, in, in collapsing the pocket and, and making it um, making it um, sort of very difficult for the USC quarterback. Um, I see him as a early third round or mid third round, but because this defensive tackle class is very sort of it hasn't it isn't top heavy, but it's got a lot of depth. So you will see a lot of guys going in round two, round three. Um, I think he's in that conversation to be one of the top five defensive tackles going off the board. Um, and he, he has the raw materials, especially if he gets the right coaching as well. I think he can be really effective in, in the NFL. Yeah, 100%. I really like the, the beginning where you were talking about his height not being a problem because I completely agree with that because he can out-leverage guys. And that's probably what he did a little bit with uh, with Yontay Brown there. You know, he's absolutely towering over him, giving a lot of weight advantage. That wrestling background mixed with that leverage is game over, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah, yeah you can. that wrestling background is really big. I, I like to see players that have that cross-sport functionality as well. You see it with tight ends and wide receivers because they've got a basketball background. Um, and like, for instance, with, with Odigizua here, that, that frame and that, that ability to sort of have a, like a, a strong core and, and the, the resting technique of, of being uh, really quick off, off the snap, you can see it um, when he plays defensive tackle for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, because obviously I, I, I watched a lot of film on this guy going into the draft. And one thing I did really like is how violent his hands are. He is super explosive, like scary with his hands. He's very heavy handed. And he can shift from blocker to blocker very, very easily. And you see that with his like lateral athleticism. But the one big criticism I did have is because, he's, you know, he, he's great with the leverage from the wrestling. But where he's so fast working and so violent with his hands, they can be ac- inaccurate, which can lead to him getting caught. And also he can give up a little bit too much space while swimming. But, you know, I've got him grounded, uh, graded as a second or third round pick. But I honestly think he could go earlier because the negatives there are things that can just be coached out of him. They're not they're not like glaring physical things that are going to take ages and ages to overcome. These are very simple things to drill out of him. So I think it's like a perfect almost sleeper for Raj to pick from this defensive line because his upside and his potential is huge. And because of the wrestling, his understanding of leverage and stuff is absolutely fantastic. I would maybe like to see him put on a little bit more weight just because at the NFL level, he's going to be going up against guys no lighter than 300 pounds. So I think maybe 10, 20 pounds of uh, bulking up for this guy would be perfect. But yeah, the violent hands is the biggest one for me because, oh man, he's scary. Like, I don't want to, you want to face that. You got those yeah, hands he, are incredible. Like, and, and he's got so many different moves with those hands as well. Uh, um, the chops, the slices. Uh, I, I actually listened to an interview he did where he tries to model his game on um, Donald, obviously, who doesn't want to model their game on Donald, but, but Sheldon Rankins as well. And uh, they have the, those, the way those two defensive tackles use their hands, especially, you can see that he's been watching tape of those kind of players and using them at college level. And he's only going to get better at using those hands. 
Yeah, he's not like a scrub wrestler either, by the way. He was a state champion growing yeah. up. So, like, he, he has credentials. And th- the only thing that he does bad, like I said, b- besides being a little bit inaccurate with his hands, is he can give up a little bit of space while, while he's using swim moves. But, you know, you don't have to use swim moves when you are as strong as him. And he always sets his pad height fairly well. So it's not like he's ever getting out-leveraged. And that is, once again, the wrestling. Like, the kid's a beast. Yeah, and, and I, in the 2020 tape, I always like to see players push themselves and try sort of different positions. So he did try uh, nose tackle as well. And he maybe he's not as effective playing nose as, as he would be uh, as defensive tackle. But I like to see that he's actually developing his game and tried it at UCLA and trying to trying to sort of increase his toolbox, as I like to call it, and, and sort of. I, that that's very transferable to me into the and, NFL, and he's disruptive, which I think is pe- people forget that is the main job for a defensive lineman is to be disruptive to open it up for the guys on the edge. Look, I talk about this guy so much, you think I, I'm in love with him, but Deron Payne is such a disruptive force. It opens things up for guys like Montez Sweat and Chase Young to drive in off the outside and either stop a run early or even get a sack on the quarterback and potentially strip a ball out. So I think the Rams is actually a great place to put him because with Donald being double teamed all the time and then a guy like this with super violent hands, it's going to open up guys to come off the edge because they're going to be, you know, less looked at when you have two of these disruptive forces sat there right in front of you. Yeah. And they, they, I think they first pick in the, Late second was in the third round, but he would be perfect in that area. Absolutely ideal for for their scheme fit. And great value at where he's going because, yeah, maybe he's not refined enough to be a first round pick and just, you know, plug and play. But I think you stick him in there for 20, 30 snaps a game in his rookie year, just get him used to the flow and the speed of the game. By the time his sophomore season comes around, he's going to be an absolute problem. Agree. Completely agree. Yeah, so the Rams are picking 57 in the second round, so it could be a nice sweet spot there. Um, don't get back on the clock until 89, so probably will be gone. So if they are targeting him, you know, to, as a player to replace Michael Brockers, as we said, and uh, yeah, he's going to be gone by by 89. So uh, yeah, 57 might be the sweet spot for him. Yeah, I can see him as defensive tackle too, actually. Behind, I think I had Barrymore one, but there is no reason why teams won't fall in love with him and have him as DT two. Mm. Yeah, no, great little conversation between the two of us and, and obviously as a group there, it's a player that is definitely garnering a bit of buzz now, probably for like you say, Raj, from that senior bowl uh, weekend that he had all week, shall I say. And uh, yeah, definitely rising up. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because it's a bit muddy, isn't it, the defensive tackle class at the moment. I think Barnmore's the most popular name on the on everyone's lips. But after that, I think, you know, we're, we're fans of Davian Nixon in here, aren't we? You know, and then we've got a couple of other people. So yeah, he's all there for him. And uh, yeah, a couple of sweet spots there for the Rams. And uh, yeah, like I say, really nice fit there. Um, I'm going to stay on and I'm going to talk about a player who I really enjoyed watching on a defence that I really enjoyed watching. Obviously covering um, the edge and the safety positions for our draft guide. I watched a lot of Pittsburgh this year. So I was watching a lot of uh, Richard Weaver. I was watching a lot of um, Patrick Jones. And um, I also snuck a little bit of a look at uh, Jalen Twyman as well, who is you know not doing too well falling down the draft boards. But then also the, the safety pairing that they had and, uh, you know, Paris Ford and the guy I'm going to talk about is actually Damar Hamlin, the sort of lesser famous in uh, in terms of uh, his notoriety, uh, Pittsburgh safety. 
we came into the season and it was very much like Paris Ford was kind of the guy and I was the opposite way around. I much, much, much enjoyed watching Demar Hamlin way more than Paris Ford. I know that you and I, Liam, we've talked about this, uh, this pairing before. I know you were quite high on Paris Ford um, going into the season and kind of in the season. But yeah, I really like Demar Hamlin, really like him. I think he's um, a late round safety that would be very versatile. I think he's got a lot of experience. You know, he played, um, f- well, five seasons, played with Redshirt Senior coming out. So he's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of production. And, you know, he's not the greatest athlete in the world. He's not going to play deep. He's not going to be like a flashy safety. But I feel like in a cover two scheme, I feel like you can get a lot of value out of him on day three. You know, the safety class is a little bit like the defensive tackle class we just talked about. There's no one star. There's maybe a couple of guys who are kind of creeping up there. Maybe the TCU guys, the guys that I like, maybe Richard Grant. But there's no doing James. There's no Minka Fitzpatrick. There's no Malik Hooker when he was coming out. I know he's not been great in, in the league and you know he's out of contract at the moment. But coming out, he was absolutely fantastic. The safety class isn't like that. But day two, day three, there's going to be a lot of guys that go, a lot of guys that I've written around in the scouting guide. And there's a lot of guys who are going to be good pros. And I think Damar Hamlin's one of those. Like I say, he's going to be an okay athlete. He's going to be a great teammate. He's a smooth mover, though. So I think that makes up for the fact that he lacks a little bit of athleticism, especially like in the long speed. But he can come downhill nicely and come out of his back pedal really nicely. Super smooth going right and left as well as up and down as well. So I feel like that, like I say, can make up for the fact that he doesn't run as fast. It's kind of all up in his head and kind of that smoothness of movement kind of helps him out quite a lot. He's versatile. He can play in the slot. He can play as a cover two, as I say. He can cover deep every now and then, but it's not quite what he wants to hang his hat on. Um, but yeah, he's just a great football player. Do you know what you just kind of like really enjoy watching someone play because they're just a good football player? I think that's what I saw with Mahamlin and kind of made me just think like, yeah, this guy I want him on my team. And the Chargers do have a, you know, they have a vacancy at safety as well, especially a guy who maybe doesn't need to start straight away. He's got a real tendency to get his hand on the ball. He needs to turn that into uh, splash plays a little bit more, but he gets a lot of pass deflections, you know, and as much as that's not the best thing in the world and not what defense is about in the NFL in 2021. It's a good start, you know, and if you've got a nose for the football, it means you're a good football player. He also doesn't mind putting his body on the line as well, which I love. You know, he comes downhill and, yeah, he doesn't mind putting the wood on someone. And, uh, you know, he's got the power to play through contact as well. You know, we're talking about Charles Snowden, this absolute giant of a man who can't play through contact. You've got Demar Hamlin here. He's under 200 pounds. He's like six foot one. And he doesn't mind taking on these big guys running through the trees. So, yeah, again, just like a great football player, just really loved watching him play. I watched four games of his and, you know, I couldn't wait to get more. I probably would have got more. I mean, I've talked about guys who I've kind of like fallen in love with a little bit over this cycle. You know, people like JC Horn and others that I just couldn't get couldn't get more tape on. You know, I wanted to watch more and more and more. I would have done that with my handling, but if I'm going to be honest, I was running a bit late on getting my scouting reports done for the guide. So I had to kind of hurry it up a little bit. But yeah, in terms of like kind of weaknesses, I mentioned like the only sufficient athleticism. Um, he kind of does break down in communication a little bit. Maybe I want to blame that on Paris Ford. I don't know, but, <laughs> but probably not. No, he, he needs to attack the ball more in the air and he needs to get more, more splash plays. Maybe it's because he's covering for a guy who, you know, can't run drills at the, the pro day and runs like five second 40 times. I don't know. Um, but no, it's probably not. No, he just needs to like communicate a little bit better. He needs to attack the ball more in the air. And, um, you know, if he can work on his speed a little bit, he does need to do that because then, you know, you're going to get up against top athletes at the NFL level. And, you know, as much as cover two schemes making a comeback from, you know, it's been a lot of cover three scheme heavy and that's been kind of in vogue. I feel like cover two schemes are coming back a little bit. So we will fit quite a lot of teams. Like I say, Chargers, I wouldn't mind them taking him maybe in like the fourth, fifth round, something like that. 
But yeah, just a great football player that, you know, if you're not in a position where you need to start him, I think you're going to give him time to grow. Let him play on special teams a little bit and I think he'll be a great fit for a lot of teams. So yeah, Demar Hamlin, my, my big sleeper, one of my guys who I kind of really loved following uh, fall in love with on the for the scouting guide, and I gave him a third round grade. I don't know if he'll go that high, but I like I say, that just kind of speaks to the fact that how much I kind of like him as a as a prospect this year. Yeah, go for it, Kieran. It's honestly going to be a bit of a weird because he was omitted from the draft guide for good reason, but we're going to talk about his strengths here because I think he's a very good pickup, and I say sleeper because I'm talking Mister Irrelevant level pick here. But Tay Gowan is a cornerback out of UCF. But I don't think he should be picked up to play cornerback. I think he should be picked up as a special teamer. I think he should be picked up to play like a Matthew Slater role, maybe a gunner because he has that speed and that click and close ability. Because everything he does on defense is bad. He can't pattern match. He sucks in man. He struggles in zone. His hips aren't fluid. He can't transition. He gets lost at the top of people's roots. But this is where his sleeper ability comes in, you see. As a special teamer, this kid could be great. Because everywhere I see him talked about, everyone's like, oh, could be a good practice squad guy, could develop in a few years. No, bullshit. We're not doing that. Talk about his ability on special teams. And because of his straight line speed uh, and his ability to hawk in on a ball and the way he loves to hit people, and I'm talking like... Bengals versus Dolphins level of hitting people. Raj knows this very well. We talked about it the other day. It got a bit rough. He is that level. He loves to hit people like that. And we've seen when he plays defense, he struggles to tackle wide receivers uh, and and things like that. But he, he, he does well against like running backs and he does well on pump returns. And he can actually, you know, if you put him in like a Matthew Slater role, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Matthew Slater. Uh, defense you know a special teams hall of famer listed as a wide receiver on the patriots roster but over eight years has one career touchdown on special teams but about 20 million blocked punts this is where tay gowan is gonna succeed if you take him i'm talking shit you might even be able to get him undrafted free agent because he is not good at corner. I'm just be blatantly honest with you. I I could probably play better corner than this kid. But you stick him on special teams, you've got a gem on your hands here. And it, like I say, I'm going to keep going back to Matthew Slater because they're very similar height and weight. They play very similar. Although they're technically on different sides of the ball, as special teamers, they both fill that same sort of role. And I think if any team, especially the Chargers, sorry, Lee, needs a guy who's going to augment their special teams and be able to go out there and make plays and knock punts out and knock kick returns out and pin guys deep, take Owen as the guy for you because that's what he does and that's what he does well. And I wasn't just picking on you, Lee, but obviously we know the Chargers special teams are suspect uh, at best. Uh, you remember from the New England game, I think the score was like 45 <laughs> to nothing New England. You might so, have mentioned this before. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah. It was, it, I, I think he's a guy who can really augment special teams and take him to the next level in the way Matthew Slater has done for the New England Patriots. Yeah, we've heard that before. But yeah, you know, it's hopefully, you know, we've got a new special teams coach, we've got new coaches staff in general. So hopefully it's a changing of the guard and changing of look as well. 
Yeah, and he was only omitted from the book because I saw literally no utility out of him on the defensive side of the ball. He would strictly be a special teamer, and that's where he would probably stay for a majority of his career, unless he's bought in as like a relief uh, something. If you if you have a bunch of injuries, because he doesn't play the defensive side of the ball well. Like like I said, he's bad enough that he's not even on my radar as a defensive player. But when you watch him play uh, play special teams and the limited skill set and toolbox that he does have, transvert translates very well to special teams awesome yeah no it's udfa isn't it but uh one that you could see popping up making an impact on sundays in you know it's a really important part of the game it's not giving block a couple respect. punts for the chargers a season maybe 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 pin some guys in the five you'd be loving it mate you'd be in a be in heaven i mean i'll take it i'll take it after the the years of enduring poor special teams play but no, let's move on. Um, Liam, you've, you've again, you know, bring you back in. You've got a couple of guys you want to speak about. Just want to um, go back to uh, back to the full 10-yard scouting guide, back to the linebacker group. Um, we've talked about guys uh, throughout the process who we, um, you know, whether we were expecting it or not, we really enjoyed uh, watching. And I'm going to talk about Garrett Wallow from TCU. Uh, the Linebacker who I really, really enjoyed during the, the process, uh, really um, jumped out, liked uh, liked a lot. Um, he's a, a real stat guy. Um, you uh, kind of check his numbers throughout the, the three years uh, that I've got as him as a starter at TCU. He's, uh, I think I quoted as calling him like a production machine. Um, and uh, when you watch him on, on tape at first glance, he's, he's real kind of, uh, looks kind of, very speedy and speed over power linebacker with really, really nice ability to accelerate and, and burst to place. But, um, and then, uh, then the power comes out as well. Really, really fierce um, tackler. It'll just take ball carriers off their feet instantly. And um, just, just does a little bit of everything in the middle of the field for TCU. Um, last season, he was uh, lined up in the interior spot and I think he can also be moved around, but um yeah, from the interior, just just hits gaps, stops the run. Got the the IQ, the the speed to go sideline to sideline as well. Um, just always making plays, always around the ball. And uh, like I say, a little bit scheme diverse in that he used to be a defensive back as well. So I think you can move him wider as he reads the game really well. He's got some pass breakups. Um, I think one interception in the last two games. But but the pass breakups and his reading of the game, there's there's ability right across the the linebacker formation. I think from him, um, the reason I really like him as a, as a sleeper, I think I graded him as a fourth rounder. I'm gonna be kind of really willing him into the second day, but I think that he's a day three guy. Um, but like I say, I really really enjoyed really enjoyed um, watching him, and um, think that um, anyone that is kind of Maybe he'll feel like they have to wait a bit for a linebacker that third day. And if you think that you've got bigger needs and you're going to miss on guys um, through the, the second and third round, sort of guys like Pete Werner from Ohio State, um, Chester Rat from North Carolina. Um, if you think you can kind of wait a bit, then Garrett Wallow is going to be there on day three and really going to be worthwhile as a, as a later pickup. And I think he's going to produce in the NFL. He's, in the right system he's he's got a lot on uh on tape and uh yeah fell a little bit in love with his tape when uh when we we're 
we were working through the uh, the scouting guides, and uh, uh, yeah, I really think he's uh, he's a real sleeper. Yeah, I um I, I can't remember who we were we were, we were talking over a couple of texts a couple a while ago, and you can we said like I gave you a couple of comparisons, and you gave me one for linebacker. I can't remember who it was. I went and watched him because I did say to you at that time, like, oh, I've not really great, seen a great deal of him and I picked the other guy, I can't remember who that was, but um, do you know who he reminds me of from a few years ago? Josie Jewell out of Iowa. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah I can see it. Yeah, it's a good uh, good comparison. He's got, um, yeah, just that that motor and that the TCU team, I don't know how they haven't been kind of more successful the last couple of years. You think about the mm. draft classes they've produced. Their draft class last year was really good. And uh, obviously the guys, especially the defensive side of the ball, that are entering this year, um, yeah, they got some, they got some good guys. Yeah, definitely. You know, they had uh, Ross Blacklock, who I was quite high on last year. Obviously got see, both the safeties that were both high on. Obviously Wallow. They've got um, Ladanian Tomlinson's nephew, who I can't remember his full name. At corner, haven't they? He will be coming out next yep. year. So yeah, like you say, it's it's a bit bizarre, really. That... The offensive guys they had last year: Lucas Niang, mm. Jalen Regor. They had yeah. some good. They've had some good good couple of drafts for them. Mm. Yeah, Big Twelve defenses though, isn't it? Doesn't really count on that, yeah. in that conference. <laughs> he's such. He's like got that that alpha, that leader mentality and like I say I, I kind of uh, it was one of those guys that I just enjoyed watching because I think I got a lot more out of his tape than I was expecting and um, yeah again the, if you feel like you, you need to, to wait for a linebacker there's going to be some good ones there on, on day three and I, I think he's he's going to be one of the better ones for sure yeah I can see it I can see him being productive because he's got a heck you know heck of a stat line hasn't he over his last couple of years especially you know 125 total tackles in 2019 when he had a full season 18 of them for loss as well. So, yeah, can definitely affect the plays. So, yeah, no one to watch out for, for sure. Um, we've done this a bit badly, haven't we? Because we've, we've got two guys remaining and they're both yours as well. So, take it away. You've got a couple of running backs to talk about. You're going back on to offence then. Yeah, I'll go. I don't uh, think we've got anyone left apart from yours now. Have we really run out of everyone <laughs> yeah, already? <I> so. <laughs> we've, we've done this really badly. I'm going to talk running backs. We'll go. Uh, let's start. Uh, well, actually, let's stay in the uh, in the uh, Big Twelve because um, I think a guy that's a real sleeper at the running back position is Ramondre Stevenson, out of Oklahoma. Um, impressed with how he uh, how he produced in the the second half, especially of of this uh, season. Just gone um, as a freshman, he was quite highly rated. I think, if I recall, I think he was in the same offense as Baker Mayfield, and um, uh, yeah, they look good. Um, produced well, obviously, kind of um, fairly um, recruited in fairly high regard, and then uh, had some issues in during the during 2019 that um, he had to he had to face a suspension. So started this season a little on the back foot. Probably wasn't even top of their depth chart. And um, but yeah, by the end of the season, Oklahoma really got rolling, um, and. Um, Ended up winning the conference again, and uh, we uh, well Spencer Rattler at quarterback is going to be among the the top of the the quarterback group to watch in uh, next season, and their um, wide receiver group is really really good as well, and all returning, all young guys. Um, but Stevenson um, really became a real big part of their success. They had a great running game, and um, yeah, he's as a skill set guy, he's probably among the biggest guys in the running back class. Really, a lot of power, loves to run through tackles, but um, good on his feet as well, accelerates well. 
and um, just uh, production got greater and greater as the season went on. And uh, I'm really interested to see how NFL teams see him. He's one of those guys that could go anywhere between sort of top of the third and, and round six. He's, he's uh, going to be uh, a guy that I think some teams will really, we uh, obviously, as I say, we kind of scout kind of for ourselves a little bit. But when there's 32 teams in the league, there's I think there's going to be somebody out there that will really like him, really want to take him. Um, he um, plays well at the pass game as well, which I think is a good thing. And uh, I think that there's more more to be had with him, but a power runner, but um, all round skill set is pretty good. I think he's going to be going to be worth a look in uh, the later rounds for sure. What is it about him that is going to be setting him apart from other running backs? Because, like you say, there's going to be a whole bunch there, isn't there? Around the same time, and the value is going to be all over the place depending on what team. What's what? What does he hang his hat on? He's got he's got a good alpha mentality. I like his. I like I say he's one of the bigger guys in the class. Mm. I think that a, a team that like especially like a a kind of man power scheme of running are going to like him. He'll um he'll produce um after after the catch and and during the carry further downfield as well. He's quite nimble uh, on his feet. I like uh, some of the plays in the in the bowl season, the bowl game that uh, I think it was Florida, and uh, just stop and start really good acceleration uh, making up making up yards um obviously vision's really really good with him i think that there's a lot a lot to his game i think he can hang his hat on that ability to read defense and to, i think he's got a lot of power as i say he's a big guy and I, I like those sort of running backs and being a seahawks fan i've been used to cheering them on as well uh, so maybe that's uh, why i like him as well but um any team that likes real kind of power man gap type offense um i think he, he can fit and, and contribute from from day one yeah i think it's a really important skill set obviously like say to see the blocks get set up because that that ability is not there even at some of the top level backs sometimes and even in the nfl as well you know yeah i like it he's perfect sleeper in a way like i say that ascension that he's had as the season went on i think he got progressively better in a an offense that's known for its passing game mm. and I think that he was a huge part of uh, winning the the Big 12 for Oklahoma and um, and as soon as he declared I thought yeah he's gonna he'll have some suitors. I was about to say do you, do you think he benefits from the fact that it's in a, a pass heavy attack so maybe they're not as concerned about the running back if they come out in certain sets or do you, or do you think his skill set translates to any style of offense? I think it translates for that reason that like what you've described and what Lincoln Riley runs at Oklahoma is a very pro a pro modern NFL offense. And I think that that's why he can, I think he works well in the, in the past game. And then obviously as a runner, like say you, you prepare for, for Rattler and those wide receivers and then he'll make a play. I think that it, it translates very well just for the reason that you just said. I think that it's the reason Lincoln Riley is, a name that comes up a lot in terms of coaches moving from college up to the pros at the moment. I think he runs quite a, a good pro style offense. And I think that that it translates really well. What's he like as a pass blocker? Because obviously playing at Oklahoma, he's always had mobile quarterbacks with Rattler and Murray and Baker Mayfield as well. So what's he like on that side of the game? I think I would have given him kind of average to good for pass blocking. He is asked to pass block quite a bit and he can be effective. And I've not seen 
there's some running backs in this class. I think they have more issues with it. I think that he can. I think he can do it. Again, that's another skill at the top. I mean, we did an article, Andy and I didn't we, this, uh, earlier this week with Travis Etienne and and uh, Najee Harris. And Travis Etienne doesn't pass block very well at all. And I didn't. I obviously left that bit out because I was trying to persuade people that he was the best running back in the class. But you know, again, that's the kind of skill set that is really valuable for sort of late round picks because they need to get time on the field. And it's a he skills set that maybe your more flashy running backs kind of don't possess, especially your small ones as well, because they don't want to kind of get bruised and, and banged up because they want to be running the rock and, uh, and catching, catching some passes as well. Yeah. And for the reason, like Kieran said, you want to go pass heavy. So you, it's got to be, it's got to be done. It's got, to, it's got to be a box ticked. Mm. Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. No, it, you mentioned obviously him, uh, Stevenson, I mean, kind of growing into the season, the guy you're going to finish up on has kind of grew into his career. I mean, spent four years somewhere else, didn't really do a great deal, and bam, like, welcome to the world. Um, you know, at Virginia Tech, you're going to talk about Khalil Herbert, a player I really like, actually. I really like him as well. Um, I think he's probably going to be, yeah, when I get to my final position rankings, I think I'm going to have him quite a way up. And yeah, like you say, yeah, it was uh, it was Kansas, wasn't it, that he was okay. out for, for a bit. And then, uh, yeah, had a great season with Virginia Tech. ACC's had some good running backs this year and obviously like two of them at North Carolina and Javante Williams probably the better of, of the two there and there's uh, similarities with, with her but I really like his contact balance and his, his, uh, he, he'll keep churning he doesn't lose speed easily at all through, uh, through plays through contacts and uh, have the same kind of image in my head when talking about the two of them as being able to just get by any shoulder tackle is just going to get pushed aside really easily and um, doesn't lose a lot of speed. As I say, goes through the gears, doesn't lose a lot of speed the more he goes down the field. Um, Virginia Tech's run game, obviously led by a good offensive line, obviously Darasaw being the, the headliner, but also their interior linemen really good. They create lanes for him and then he takes advantage. He's really, really good vision. Change direction is really good. Um, I think... Uh, a knock on him is he wasn't used so much, um, even uh, previous to his Virginia Tech time as a as a pass catcher. He's quite limited as a and to what we've just been saying about Stevenson and, and NFL offenses. You need you need that in your arsenal. Um, just really um, going back to how we agreed at the start. I really really like him, and uh, I think it's just that acceleration and the the contact is um, balance is great. Um, it got better as the season as this year went on like say really really another similar to Stevenson I suppose in that sense that really ascended um, yeah I think I'm going to be quite high higher than most when I end up placing and sorting out my final position rankings so I think Khalil Herbert's going to be uh, good in the NFL um, Obviously being four years at Kansas and then uh, one year at Virginia Tech does he have much tread on the tyres because um, that, obviously that would be if, if he does that, that would be obviously one of the knocks that, that could push him down yeah, he does. And it's a good point because I talk about that a bit with running backs. As I think about some of the guys that have come out the last few years, I like it when they don't have so much mileage. Um, he does, but it's a really good tape to, to put up over the last year, his, his Virginia Tech time. Um, it's certainly what he's going to point to. Um, he definitely had some mileage running running for Kansas. But um I don't think it's going to be a huge problem for him. I think that he can like put up the the last twelve months, his last season at Virginia Tech as a as pretty good tape. 
I um I always feel like with the way the NFL kind of views running backs now, it's not actually that big of a problem because you just run them into the ground and get a new one anyway. So yeah, that was the that was the knock on Dalton Taylor last year, wasn't mm. it? And that, and look at the season he had as a rookie. So um, yeah, it, it, it's a conversation to be had, but absolutely, it does. Yeah. It, it does there's not like a, a a rule to say right. You've you played five years at college, have so much tread that that's not going to translate to the NFL. Like it's player dependent, I reckon. Absolutely. Yeah, it didn't put me off with with Jonathan Taylor last year, but like you said, the flip side of it is that the year before with Josh Jacobs, I really liked the fact that he didn't have much mileage. So I graded it. So I was really, I had him quite high for that reason. Now I think if you've got the the tape, which Jonathan Taylor obviously had. I think Khalil Herbert has has a good season last season that he can he can put up and like I said, there's a little in terms of, of pass blocking and pass catching. There's some work to be done, but as a running back, as a like a number two running back, like a, every other down kind of guy, yeah, there's a, there's something to work with. With obviously uh, 34 catches, is it a case of he didn't do it or he can't do it? I think a little bit of both. I, I've seen him, as long as it's like, most of the time that it is out of the backfield, I haven't seen him doing a lot of, a lot of too many, too much complication to, to what they were asking him to do. And again, he's got good blockers to, to screen and block for him when he does get the ball in his hands. Um, yeah, I think maybe it's a little bit of both, to be honest. I've, I've seen him making... I can't remember which game it was that I was watching of him most recently, and there's a couple of plays that he where he was catching the ball. Maybe Virginia Tech deliberately bring bringing it in uh, later in the season, but yeah, I'm well aware of like the the little number of catches that he's had, and maybe mm-hmm. that is just them scheming it that way. Yeah, because it's often it's, well, not often. That's maybe what I would say, but it's sometimes the way, isn't it? The fact that I mean Taylor is another one. I'm not going to go back to the same well that you've just been talking about, but. That was the stick that was was used to beat him, wasn't it? But it was a case of him not really being able to do it because Wisconsin didn't want him to, rather than him just not being able to catch the ball. Yeah, and it's not what you're going to be drafting Jonathan Taylor for. You, you sure. knew what you're getting with him, and I think the same with with her. But I think he's, you know, he's going to have good offensive line. Um, well, hopefully, anyway, wherever he goes in the pros, and that he's, I like his his vision and his change of direction. He knows where the gaps going to be, can hit them really well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, go on, Kieran. Finish off. I was going to say, do you see like uh, Miami as like a potential target, a team that doesn't necessarily have a uh, running back one right now? Uh, do you think you potentially fill that role for a team like maybe the Bills or the Dolphins or just a team that need to really augment that position to take their play to the next level? Yeah, it's a good it's a good shout because it's another. Th- Thing it depends on if you expect these teams to go after the position early, then the players are going to be there. If they're going to concentrate elsewhere, defense or other parts of the offense, then these are, and right the way through this episode, these are the, the players that I think are going to be there later on. If you, uh, you know, if you miss out on Javante Williams, then wait around and Kelly Herbert's going to be there. It's that sort of thing. Because I was going to say, running backs, especially, you can sort of pick up later and there's not too much of a drop off in talent and I, I feel like you only hear about the Najee Harris and the Travis Etienne's of the world because of the programs they're at. It seems like the other guys can put up fairly identical stats and not get looked at just for a virtue of the program they're at. But 
I know we obviously see guys like Patterson getting looked at, but that's because he's putting up literal video game numbers. So, but I think running backs that position with a bit more parity. There's a there's a reason the same kind of four or five names though are going to be the consensus top four or five in the running back class, whichever order you want to place them. And then there's the a drop to quite a lot of guys in those middle rounds, and. Um, you know, it depends on your scheme. It depends on the team. It depends on your wants and needs. There's going to be guys there for, uh, yeah, for everybody. Yeah. And that, just for anyone who doesn't know, it's Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo, who is referencing with the video game numbers. Go and watch the tape because it is exciting. Yeah, I wasn't talking about myself when I played. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, well, I, I didn't make that I didn't mean me. I didn't, nah, it's not me. I mean, I'm not that good at NCAA, but... I could maybe rush for 400 yards across the season. <laughs> I think we should start introducing ourselves like that if you ever. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get you a jersey or something to wear. <laughs> um, well, actually, just before we finish off, Raj, obviously you're our resident Dolphins fan today, obviously with no under here. Obviously, Kieran's just kind of put one in there for the Dolphins, potentially. I know you've been targeting, you know, mock drafts that we've seen you doing things like Najee Harris and running back quite early. Would that be a good consolation for yourself or is it kind of running back early or nothing for yourself? I think it's um, a running back early, pick 18 or pick 36, I think is definitely, you can pencil in a running back there, whether it's Najee Harris or, or Javante Williams. But it is that kind of power running back that the, the Dolphins need. We have two very uh, sort of you look at uh, like a running back stable and you look at the thunder and lightning and we have the two lightnings in terms of uh, Savon Ahmed and Mars um, Gaskin. So we've got Malcolm Brown from the Rams and free agency, but we do need that other thunder, that RB1. Um, Harris and Williams are, are, are the two names that are constantly pegged in those in 18 or 36. Um, but you never know. We were, we were looking at getting JK Dobbins last year and we were rumoured to get a, uh, looking to get a running back in the second round. It didn't fall to us. And it could be a case where um, that might happen again, where we attempt to get a running back in round, uh, round two. It doesn't quite fall for us. And then we have to look at someone like a Khalil Herbert or, or, or another running back within that, within that uh, range and, and um, find that other thunder, so to speak. I uh, will just have to explain to the viewers. I'll turn my hat around so you can see the Patriots logo because apparently whenever we get the opportunity to talk about the Dolphins or the Bills, I'm right there at the front of the line talking them up. I am actually a Patriots fan. So th- these are just two teams that are a player away from a Super Bowl, in my opinion, and, and making deep playoff runs, which is why I asked specifically if Buffalo and Miami were good pick, uh, good fits for Liam because, you know, these players in the right system could potentially thrive and really elevate these teams. Even if it's 50, 60 yards a game, that is sometimes the difference between a win and a loss. And in the playoffs, that's big. Yeah. And I think it's really important as as well to highlight the value of the running back position. Like you said, lower down the draft, all you have to do is look at last year and probably consensus number one running back last year was potentially James Robinson out of of Jacksonville. He was a a UDFA, if I remember correctly. So, there is value definitely to be had uh, at the later rounds for the running backs. It's really important that we highlight those guys. We'll look at guys like Philip Lindsay uh, and people like that. I know we talk about like running backs not getting paid, but the best running back to be drafted in the last few years has been Saquon Barkley. And, you know, in- injuries have really hampered him so far, which could be an issue going forward. And even if you take it back, big name running backs like Reggie Bush who went off in college and were at huge programs maybe underperformed slightly in the NFL so I think this is a position that 
NFL coaches and scouts themselves still have trouble to judge because, like you said, it was an undrafted free agent who I think by all accounts was the top rookie running back in, in the league last year, despite guys like my uh, best friend Clyde Edwards-Alaire going in the first round, even though I picked him going there. Out, outside of the first sort of few games, he didn't really live up to that billing where I think if James Robinson had been picked in the first round and had the season he did, there would have been no complaints. So I, I think this is a position that people are still trying to get right. Yeah, exactly. I even look at it, at the, look at, again, to the Dolphins. Our, our two best running backs were a seventh rounder and a UDFA in, in Miles Gaskin and Savon Ahmed. They beat out perennial seasoned NFL running backs in terms of Brader and Jordan Howard and DeAndre Washington. It shows that the value is there in the later rounds. Yeah, no, for sure. And obviously, you know, it's this is where you're going to win the draft as well. So it's really important to kind of try and find these value. I think between us, you know, between the four of us, we've highlighted a lot of guys who could help teams do that. We've highlighted a lot of guys that would have impact on, well, any NFL team or, you know, a, a great number of them. So, yeah, props to all of us for, for kind of pointing out these guys. And it's really important exercise to kind of not just look at the top, you know, and that's going for people who do this like us or people who are actually making the decisions in the league. You know, it's really important to get these guys right. And, you know, going all the way down to that undrafted free agency, you know, Chargers fan, love an undrafted free agent, always getting some good ones. And let's like say James Robinson doing uh, the Jags are solid. They're being probably about their best player last year. They're coming in as a rookie undrafted free agent. So it's really, really important. It's what makes the draft so good. Look, let's get out of here because we've been on for a long, long time, you know, talking some really good conversations. Kieran, start off with you. Give us your handles and uh, where we can find you and what you're going to be up to as well for the full 10 yards of the next uh, week or so. Uh, so my handle is at the Himbo F10Y. You can see me, you know, just arguing with other football fans, really, and just, you know, occasionally calling someone a dickhead. It's a lot of fun. Um, but new article that might have already dropped. It hasn't dropped yet, my LSU QB article, has it? Yes, it came out this morning. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, new article out now talking about the LSU quarterback room and the big problem we have. The problem is we have too much talent. I'm sorry, guys. I know you don't want to hear me talk about LSU all this time, but we're in a similar predicament to Ohio State right now. Just, just, just a breakdown of who the quarterbacks are, how well they've performed, and how we look going into next season as we look to go bounce back from... Bo Pelini's mistakes and go after another national championship. Uh, yeah, so you know, couldn't get through the whole episode about an LSU <laughs> shout, but you know, what we have a couple of minutes from the end, maybe. Raj, Look, I do what I can. <laughs> Raj, you're up next. Tell us where we can find you. Yeah, follow me at the underscore Garch on Twitter. Um, you will see uh, my Kieran's Corner from earlier in the week where I talked solely about the Miami Dolphins. Also, there's an article from last week where I promote why Devontae Smith should be the first wide receiver off the board. Sorry, Kieran, I know that that does that does hurt a little bit being uh, sort of a, a Terrence Marshall fan. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, obviously draft season, it's, it's a month away now. So um, yeah, it's getting close. And, and again, I'll be retweeting the draft guide as well. So get your copies. Absolutely. Liam, what about yourself, man? And find me on Twitter at Liam66NFL just everything NFL draft for the next month. Keep an eye out for um, my positional rank, my annual positional rankings article that'll probably be out in a couple of weeks time. There's, I haven't even counted how many players to be on there, but there's going to be 15 positions represented. There's uh, going to be a lot going on and, uh, and just more 
push for our full 10 yards uh, scouting guide. Yeah, I can't wait to see the positional rankings. Obviously, um, not unique, obviously, but it's you know, people tend to do mock drafts, whereas you go the other way, which I love. So I can't wait to see that. I'm really excited to see your positional rankings for sure. Kickers and punters included this year as well for the first time ever. I take an inspiration from the scouting guide, maybe from where our, our specialists. Uh... It was uh, it was um, an omission that was pointed out by a reader last year asking where they were. So I thought, right, I'll pencil that in, put them in. <laughs> Do not envy watching kicker tape, if I'm going to be honest with you. But uh, you know, props for for getting it done. And uh, obviously, meet myself to finish off at Wakefield ninety on Twitter, just pushing the scouting guide at everyone. Also behind the Full Ten Yard CFB account, or so at Full Ten Yard CFB, really creatively named. And uh, yeah, just giving you uh, giving you all the scouting guide info. Got some reviews dropping from some people who've had a lot of luck and give us some feedback. And it seems to be going really well. People people loving it. People giving some nice feedback as well, and also some uh, some constructive criticism, let's say, about how we can make it better, which we love as well. So. Always up for that. Always up for making it better. There'll be volume two coming this time next year. So yeah, keep your eyes peeled for all that. But you know, for now, go out, buy another one, spend a few couple of quid, give back to Brickwall. We're putting some guys through coaching courses and referee courses as part of the hashtag for the game scheme that we've got going on here at the Fulton Yards, putting back into Brickwall. But like I said before, that's all we've got time for you today. Some sleepers for you guys. A bit of a longer episode back again after a uh, bit of a short one. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.